Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dylan. Welcome back to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. Today is our special anniversary Whoa. 20th episode. Two, zero, two, zero. So, instead of doing our normal stick where we look at one particular year of our gentleman, yeah. instead, we're looking at a different area, like a theme. And the theme this time is cover songs. Yeah. And specifically, we're talking about songs that our guys covered of other people. Yeah. Not songs of other people covering our guys, which no. happened plenty of times also. Yep. So, we're going to take a look at some of the artists they covered. We're going to take a look at some of their worst covers. They both mm. did some doozies. Oh, they sure did. And then did. we're going to do a, an action-packed, pulse-pounding, top ten Woo. rank, back and forth. Counting it down. To, to the top cover that each one of them did as arbitrarily chosen by each of us. Not completely arbitrarily, but no. you know. It's all, it's all taste in the end. That's I don't the know if that happens to you, I started going like, oh, this one's important, and oh, this one's really good. Everyone says, and then by the end, I'm like, oh, I just really like this one. This is my number one because I really like it. It's a good mm-hmm. one, and I like it. That's mm-hmm. it. I think I know what so, your I think I know what your number one is. It's not Bob Dylan. Oh, just, just you know, come on. It's not. It's not. Okay. Spoiler alert. He didn't. Okay. So first of all, David Bowie. I'm going to run through a quick a quick list of some of the artists that he covered that are not talked about later on. So there's okay. pretty big people. And Here these, we aren't, go, Jake these aren't the wor- these aren't the worst these aren't the worst covers. No, these aren't best or worst. These are the middle ones that I'm not going to talk about. If I say <laughs> a name, creamy, there's a lot of like middle. there's a very eclectic mix of people in this for Bowie. All right. So Hit these it. are approximately there's a sort more or less uh, chronological by when he covered them. All right, we got Paul Revere and the Raiders. Uh huh. Bobby Bland. Ooh. Biff Rose. I don't know that. Ron Davies. Uh huh. The oh, Pretty Things. The Pretty Things. Them. Oh, yeah, Van Morrison. The Yardbirds. Uh-huh. A little band called the Pink Floyd. Never heard of them. Barrett era Pink Floyd. Never heard of them. The Mojos. Okay. A little band called The Who. Never heard of them. The, easy, the correct response, Jake, that was Who. Who? And we could have gone into it a long, annoying stick about it. See, I, the did, easy beats. I wanted to avoid that. A little band called The Kinks. Never heard of them. A little gentleman named the name of Chuck Berry. Who? Eddie Floyd. Yeah. Ohio Players. Uh huh. Tom Verlaine of television. Yeah. The Trap Family Singers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Metro. Chuck Jackson. Uh, Domenico Madugno. I pronounced yep. it horribly. I'm sorry to everyone. Okay. Chris Montez. Roxy Music. Johnny Kittleritz. The Walker Brothers. Morrissey. Tara Mint Hembara, Neil Young, Legendary Stardust Cowboy, Modern Lovers, George Harrison, Sid, 
And Bob Dylan. <laughs> and to wrap it all up in a neat bow. <laughs> wrap it up, Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. It was not actually the last one he covered. It was in the middle somewhere. But uh-huh. it right. was not quite bad enough to make the list of worst covers. So what you're telling what you're telling me is that all of those people that you just listed, the, he those were on some sort of album, like officially released album. Those are old. I should say for our listings here, all of these songs we're going to have been officially released on some official release. Some of them are live albums, live tracks. Right. Some of them are album tracks, at least in my case. Bootleg series All of them have case. official releases. Yes, he's covered all of them on official releases. Wow, that's very yeah. impressive. Plus, uh, 15 more in right. worst and best. Right, right, right. So, here we go. Well, in, all right, my... It, oh, no, boy, well, I, I get to talk during this podcast, do I not? Well, I know you don't. What are you talking about? Jeez, come on, I, in lieu of making a massive list of all the people that Bob Dylan has covered, which has isn't uh-huh. that very many, I'll just I'll just let you know that Bob has kind of a you know interesting relationship. It's not fraught; it's just an interesting relationship with covering other people's okay. songs. Seeing as how he is got it a lot of times, he doesn't say that it's a cover. Is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> he might have stolen <laughs> all of his songs. He, that he, uh, wrote that cover. <laughs> We're not sure. I mean, blown in the wind. Who knows who who wrote that song? Uh, well, he became famous because other people covered his songs. Right. Peter, Paul, and Mary, and Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix? Like. Yeah, but he was famous before Jimi Hendrix that's did that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, that's what he did, is he went and he gave he gave some publisher, like, 250 songs that he had written in the uh-huh. last year, and the publisher spread them all over the place, and he became known as a songwriter who other people uh-huh. covered. But in terms Bowie of... Tried, Bowie tried to do that, but no one wanted to do his songs. Well, that's so too bad. Kinda, he, he kind of went back and became a you know a performer instead. He should have been Bob Dylan. That's all I can say. <laughs> he tried. Oh, he tried, Jake. Oh, he tried. So I will just say that uh, Dylan does not do a lot of obvious covers or like take from other people's songs very often mm-hmm. in his career. They're usually obscure. They're usually like you know sort of traditional songs and Americana songs and stuff like that. And I got to say, right. I was gonna I was gonna bring up Christmas in the Heart just now. Just so we get, I mean, I feel like it's the elephant in the room. It's Christmas think, in the heart. I think we don't need to. A cover album of Christmas songs, all of which are well known and dare I say beloved. You know what? One and, of them. And tell Dylan saying them, then maybe not so beloved after that. I. This is this is outrageous. <laughs> this is outrageous, sir. <laughs> what you're doing to me right now is outrageous. <laughs> all right, we ready for the five worst covers. I don't know. You're trampling. You're along. trampling my whole thing. <laughs> Fine, just do it. You know what? You know what? You're one of you're one of one of uh, mom and dad's worst covers. What do you think of that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> worst of the three cool. for sure. All right. Uh, David Bowie's five worst covers. All right. In hit it in like one minute. Yep. Total. Snap it. Number five. I feel free by Cream. Oh. Covered on Black Tie White Noise from 1993. <laughs> oh, really? Cream reinterpreted as an ice cold early 90s club track for some reason. <laughs> You're so much better. Your boy's so much worse than Dylan in oh, this yeah. area. Number four. Better at being Across worse. the Universe from the Beatles. Yeah. From, covered on Young Americans from 1975. The Awful. single worst recording boy released in the 1970s, made even worse by the knowledge that John Lennon performs on it. Wow. Wow. Speaking of John Lennon, number three, Working Class Hero by John Lennon from <laughs> Tin Machine, 1989. Oh, really? The perfect example of Tin Machine. Such a good humorous, song, too. As told in their three favorite things, screeching guitars, yeah. socially conscious lyrics, 
and Unnecessary Swearing. Oh, right. Well, that song is so good, and the swearing in it is so it's good. It's true. That might be, that, yeah. It's impactful that, swearing, but I, I don't know it about might, the cover that, Okay, I'll, I'll take out the word unnecessary. Right. It may have been unnecessary for Bowie to continue to swear in the song. Yeah, I don't know. Or something. Number two, God Only Knows from the Beach Boys from tonight, <laughs> 1984. There's so many jokes to be made of the title of that song. God Only Knows. Why he did it. Incredibly, incredibly difficult to make it all the way through, and it's only three minutes long. (laughs) The sign of a great cover song. And then David Bowie's number one worst cover, Dancing in the Street, originally by Martha and the Vandellas, covered in 1985 with Meg Jagger as a non-album single. Wow. I would call that his best cover. I thought that was on the The list. The video impressively represents Bowie and Jagger's simultaneous career low points. (laughs) It hit number one in the UK. Yeah. Boom. It's a joke. There you go. It's a joke. Top five worst right right. there. Right there. So we're going to do Bob Dylan's top five worst covers three of them come from one album chaz <laughs> is and christmas in the heart? this is not christmas in the heart i want you to oh, stop slagging man. christmas it is the christmas season as we record this everyone and i think uh, charlie if it, just, if it just passed in christmas season as you all listen to this. i think charlie hates christmas that's what i think <laughs> all right uh so dylan briefly left his record label columbia in 1972 and columbia was like you owe us something besides all the millions of records that you've sold for us. Uh-huh. So they put out <laughs> a covers compilation album called Dylan. And then they released it. That's and it. That's <laughs> it. And Bob they was like... come up with anything better than that. No, huh? so they raided the vaults, and um, three of the worst covers come off of there. One of them is Big Yellow Taxi. This is covering uh, Joni Mitchell. They paved, uh, they paved Paradise, put in a parking lot. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, Mr. Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. Oh, I know the song. I think I thought that was a Dylan original. No. Oh no. No, he sings that one. And also, can't help falling in love. The Elvis song from '68, '69. Was man falling in love? That one. That's it. Mommy rushing. Um, these are... Elvis go in there, Jake. Nice. Oh, thank you very much. Didn't know you had it in oh, Thank you very much. Wait, did Elvis just show up, guys? He's still alive. Okay, move along. You've got two <laughs> so, more covers to, to talk so about. The, the, the Wait, thing who, who wrote Bojangles, then, if not Dylan? Uh, gosh, that's a great question. I know the band covered it at some point, or maybe they wrote it. No, there was a, there right, was a move, non-band. You move, on, you move on, and I'll, I'll look it up. All right, thanks. Um, the three of these songs are... They're just weird. It's very weird. Oh, and the other one I have to mention from that period is The Boxer by Paul Simon, which is terrible. Okay. It's weird to hear him covering contemporary popular songs by his peers. Right, a song that he maybe could have written, you know? And have him kind of try at it, you know? Like, he has, like, backup singers that that do the little ooh-la-la on Big Yellow Taxi. Like, he kind of covers it in a faithful way, and it's just, it's bizarre. I don't know how to explain okay. it. It's like, um, what's that thing um, where they make a robot or something that looks so lifelike that it starts to creep people out? Oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. There's like a curve to this. Yes. Or oh, like I know this. If they're, if they're, I if always they're exactly think about the human this. that's good, 
And if they're like several steps back, then right. they're good. Like those really that's why, creepy like, robots. That's why like zombies and wax figurines yes. and like mannequins and all these things creep us out. Because oh, they're so close to human, but they aren't quite. I don't yes, know what it's called. That's, I know that's, that's the Dylan cover thing that's going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're like close, the but it's his voice. That's you've ever given. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But I can't remember the thing. I wish I was smart right now and remember the what it was called. Anyway, my last two are just, they're just bad, you know, they're just, we've discussed this in private, but when, when Dylan fails at something, it's just boring and dumb. And when Bowie fails at something, it's spectacular and hilarious. Yeah, it becomes funny. So, um, we already talked about it, but off of Knocked Out Loaded, he covers a really bad Chris Christopherson song called They Killed Him, which is sort of a, a terrible (laughs) treacly update of, uh, Abraham Martin and John from the sixties. Like he's talking about three people that died, like Gandhi or something. It's, it's awful. Yeah. And then, um, just, just because it's sounds terrible and he kind of switched it up and stuff. He covered, uh, Shannon Doe, which is a really beautiful traditional, uh, Americana song. And he just kind of like messes with the meter and there's backup singers, obviously. And it's just bad. So that's my whole list. Did you figure out who's, who's saying Bojangles? Jerry Jeff Walker. I don't know who that is. Yeah, okay. I know the band did it as well, but whatever. Did you figure out what the uh, what the what the concept is called? It's like on the tip of my tongue. No, I didn't like. I was still looking at Mr. Bojangles. All right. Well, we better get started. What we're going to move into is our. It probably will move too long, so we got to go for it now. Let's do it. Top ten. Strike while the iron is lukewarm. Do it. And we are we're trying to limit ourselves to two minutes per song here. So let's do it here. All right, number 10 from David Bowie. This is exciting. Sorrow by the Mercies. Mm. Originally released in, <laughs> or released by Bowie in 1973 on his cover album, Pinups. Uh, actually, it's originally, okay. So Pinups released in 1973. It was made entirely up of covers of British songs originally from 64 to 67. Yeah. This is kind of weird. Yes. It's like if a current cutting-edge artist who, you know, like just had their big break... Released, decided to release a cover album of songs from 2009 to 2012. That'd yeah. be weird. Yeah, it would. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing so that Bowie, right now. Uh, Bowie credits this song because you know, the whole album is covers. Um, he credits it to the Mercies on the album. Okay. It's actually originally by the McCoys. Yeah, but Bowie's version is way more like the Mercies version, who also covered it later on. Everybody knows that. The song hit number three on the UK charts. Wow. Making it, uh, I was going to say its highest, no, it wasn't its highest, because Dancing in the Streets is his highest ranking. <laughs> yeah. Highest charting yeah, you can't say cover. nothing ever again. It's one of his highest charting covers. Sure. One of his Go highest charting songs of the 70s. And uh, it also appears on the recent Serious Moonlight live album. Oh. He didn't perform it live very much. But uh, it happened. So it seemed like we needed a representative from Pinups, and this was okay. it's a good song. But he does a lot of artists on there. He has Pink Floyd and The Who and The Yardbirds and like some. I don't think the Kinks are on there. Kinks not on that one. I can't remember. Maybe the Kinks are on there. Now I'm losing it. I can't remember. <laughs> but number ten is Sorrow. Over to you, Jake. Wonderful. Number ten on Dylan's best covers is a song called Greenbrier Shore. This is one of. Uh, Dylan's uh, attempts at covering like one of his old standards, something that affected him when he was young. It's attributed to the Carter family, uh, Maybell Carter and her family, who eventually produced June Carter and then right, eventually right, right. June Carter Cash. Uh, very yeah. famous. Uh, they were big. They were huge. They were like the biggest in the 30s. 
It is an Appalachian bluegrass song made famous later by Ralph Stanley, who was uh, America's greatest banjo player at one point. <laughs> well, it still is in my heart. Absolutely, Ralph Stanley. He's a, he's kind of a big name in the old. <laughs> Can you play taps on a banjo? Because I feel like. Definitely. See, I told you you can. All right. Uh, this, uh, my last thing about this is that Dylan played this song live or in the studio or whatever exactly two times in the year 1992, one of which was captured on Bootleg Series Volume 8, which we haven't talked about yet, called Telltale Signs. So it's a very pretty song, and we're lucky that it made it on a record. Over to you, Chaz. Nice. Thanks. Coming in at number nine on the David Bowie charts is Amsterdam by Jacques Brel. Uh, it was originally released by Bowie in 1973, actually, coincidentally, as the B-side to Sorrow. Oh, <laughs> what do you know? Which was number 10. Even though it was recorded years, a couple of years earlier. Yeah. It was originally recorded in 1971, intended to be part of Ziggy Stardust, as the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust inspires from Mars. Oh, my. Uh, like it was originally their early... Like lists of what the track listing was supposed to be, and this was originally on there along with uh, "Rounded Around" by Chuck Berry, the cover of the Chuck Berry song. Oh wow, so many Both covers! Both of which would have really changed the uh, the cadence and feel of Ziggy Stardust. Let me tell you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so this is like this is a good examples of Bowie's very had a very wide like variety of influences and covered and did a lot of really weird stuff, which is awesome. But we go from sorrow is like. Straight up, you know, late 60s, mid to late 60s uh, rock and roll song to Jacques Brel, who is a Belgian singer, songwriter, poet, actor, and director. Apparently, he is the third best selling Belgian artist ever, Belgian musician ever, Jake. Well, every, you're wondering about everybody that. knows that. And um, he's known probably best, the one that I like, knew most, because I knew nothing about this guy or almost nothing. Yeah. Is, uh, there's a, a 1968 musical, Jacques Brel is Alive and Well, Living in Paris. <laughs> okay. I had heard, heard of that one. Oh, well, all right. And, I used, and it was like a jukebox musical of his songs, but he was, you know, he, the, what's the Chantal song? It's like, it's, it's very, it's very European and very, you know, blah, blah, I don't know, lots of kind of stuff. But we also covered a song by him called My Death appeared throughout the Z Stardust tour and appears on Live Santa Monica 72 and Z Stars the motion picture soundtrack. But I don't know if him uh, performing Amsterdam live, he probably did at some point, but I don't have it written down and it wasn't released an official release. Oh, no. So, number nine. Back to you, Jake. All righty. So, number nine for Dylan is a song called Annie's Going to Sing Her Song. I'll take me back again. That's how it ends. Uh, this was written by Tom Paxton, who was an early proponent in Greenwich Village when Dylan was coming up in New York City. Yeah, he, yeah. he may have been the very first one, or one of the very first ones, that in his show he combined traditional songs, which was the folk spirit at the time. Right, right, right. The that was a thing, big thing at the time, yep. With original songs. So a little sacred, a little oh. profane, all just mixed up in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was kind of doing the thing that Dylan would be famous for, but he was just slightly earlier, and he probably, you know, I mean, we don't want to make value judgments here, but clearly he just wasn't quite as good. But um, the <laughs> this is the part we were referencing the movie Inside Louis Davis again. Cause yeah, he could have. I just because I just did. Yeah, you just dropped that Cohen bomb. <laughs> 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 yeah, can you 
you hold on for two hours while I go watch that movie really quick? I'll come back. Absolutely. And then we're going to have to record another episode of Cohen versus Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Annie's going to sing her song. I just like the song. It's, uh, it's really, it's really kind of a fun song. Um, it's kind of a bar room type of a thing. Anyway, Dylan, uh, uh, covered this sometime while he was recording self-portrait and then Chaz I just have a quick yeah. question for you uh, yeah. what what if you had already painted a self-portrait but then years later you would like know the answer, you would Jake. like the to no hold on shut up shut up what <laughs> yeah. now you want to you want to paint you want to paint an additional self-portrait what do you call it like an additional well, self-portrait the only possible answer would be another self-portrait that's right that's what I thought too. Uh, that's Bootleg Series Volume Thirteen. That's what the song appears on. Over to you, Chaz. It's not as good of a name as More Blood, More Tracks. Let's be honest. <laughs> there's no worse name than More Blood, More Tracks. But uh, I love yeah, it anyway. anyway. They're still working on it. Jake. Like, see whatever they're the like, next one's gonna be. The reissue right, of More in at Blood, eight and eight More Tracks. The only cover charts is America by Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, real? This is a best song. It's good. I okay. like it. Awesome. Why? Like, what would you say in here right now, Jake? It sounds like Dylan tried to cover Paul Simon and it went terribly. So I was just okay, surprised right. that someone did it here's, right. All right. Here's the context. It was recorded by Bowie in 2001 at the oh. concert for New York City in October oh, 2001 that's in not, honor of that's not fair. 9-11. <laughs> this concert was ridiculous. I don't know. I didn't know. I mean, it's like five hours long. Yeah, yeah, I remember There's tons I remember of famous that. comedians and actors introducing everybody. Like, everybody goes up there. It's incredibly famous. Everyone's like a number one star. Yeah. Here's just a list of the of the musicians who performed. I didn't. I was going to do everybody, and then I'm like, okay, enough for that. But here's just the musicians. The cuts included Paul McCartney, The Who, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, Elton John, Eric Clapton, Bon Jovi, Jay-Z, Destiny's Child, The Backstreet Boys, James Taylor, Billy Joel, Melissa Etheridge, Five for Fighting, Goo Goo Dolls, John Mellencamp, Macy Gray, Kid Rock, and Adam Sandler. Oh, wow. I mean, Adam just, Sandler. And, and, and Bowie, of course. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. Bowie opened the concert wow. with America, originally from the 1968 album, Bookends. Yeah. So Bowie performed it seated and accompanied only by this little tiny, like, chintzy synthesizer. Okay. Which all sounds awful, and I don't know how he pulled it off. Wow. Because it should not be good, but I think it it's is. It's the spirit of the moment. I also was not, I was not sure about the first time, because the backing music that he's playing on this little chintzy synthesizer comes off as almost like a circusy sound, okay. which sounds weird, and it is. Like but a, it's simple, and it and like the repetition of it kind of ingrains itself in like. And his vocals are amazing. I'm like all about his vocals. And he was good. Like his vocals maybe reached their peak at like the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. His singing style and everything was really great. Okay. So that was, this was the opening song for the concert, which wow. does seem a little like, I don't know, kind of, Interesting that they chose a British guy to open this. There's a lot of Brit- okay. There was a lot of British thing musicians. On yeah, the there is. He, he did live in New York. He was only a few blocks away when. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes few, sense. He was, he was a few miles away. He yeah, really he was worked. in New York. His wife was downtown. She was within a few blocks away. Wow. Anyway, uh, he followed with heroes during the concert. Of course. His <laughs> only appearance. Uh, oh yeah, it's always heroes. It's always heroes. Yeah, it's heroes. Number one. And it's uh it's only official appearances on the official soundtrack for concert for New York City. It's never yowza, made it on any, just just a Bowie release. Okay. So there you go. Number eight, America. Wow. Back to you, Jake. All right. Dylan's number eight is a song called Tomorrow Night. This was written long time ago, nineteen thirty nine, by Sam Coslow and Will Gross. G R O S Z. 
in case you were wondering how to spell Will Um It was a big hit on the R&B charts in 1947 for a singer called Lonnie Johnson. Elvis sang it in his Sun Records uh, deal, and Jerry Lee Lewis did as well, which is probably where Dylan okay. picked it up, because he, okay. he was a big fan of those early Sun Records, especially of Elvis's. Um, it's just a nice, it's a nice song. He included it on an album we talked about from 1992, Good As I Been To You. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar. Just a couple episodes back. That probably, that might be the best song on that album. Maybe. Yeah, that was supposed to be great. That wasn't a very good album, as I recall. It was okay, but this song's good. It's okay. Um, and hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna add throw in here. I'm gonna throw a bone since you just talked about because I bend to you. Yeah. To uh, a fan who mentioned online that uh, <laughs> Dylan looks like Adam Sandler on the cover of that album. Yeah. He totally does. He does. He does. It's really and since weird. They just mentioned Adam Sandler too. Like this, just it all comes full circle, and we got to pull out. So shout out to you. Sir on Twitter Sir. who told us this. You're right. I also, You're right. I also want to take this very brief moment just to talk about something I didn't talk about in the 92 episode, which is the aesthetic, you know, we talked about the aesthetic of the music on the album, which is yeah. just Bob, acoustic guitar, you know, harmonica. He's going for an old-timey sound. The back yeah. cover is outrageous. It is Bob in leather pants and a sleeveless <laughs> leather vest with no shirt on underneath. That's what's on the back of the cover. You better look it up right now. Um, I'm familiar of this Tomorrow Night song of the Patty Griffin version, and she's a wonderful singer, and she sings it wonderfully. That's a good song. On to you, Chaz. He looks like Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) Yeah, but but like hairier and (laughs) worse. I don't know. He's trying to look like Bruce Springsteen. He may have been. He he had some sartorial disasters around that time. Oh, didn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Tie-dye, baby. And again, 1992, I had cat scratches in my hair, I'm pretty you sure. Were, you were covered in tie-dye, is what you were covered in. <laughs> well, no, no, neon, neon. My, you were covered in neon. Cat scratches. <laughs> you had number cat scratches. Number seven! Theater. Go for it. Number seven is Conversation Piece by David Bowie. That's what? right, he covered his own... Here, here is... Let me, let me read you a tale, Jake, because we have not done 2001 yet. Oh. In 2001, prepared for 2001 release, was a Bowie album called Toy, which was never released. You did talk about it, this, by the way. I did talk about it. Well, I'm talking about it again, oh. Jake. Oh, yeah, it came up in 2002. <laughs> anyway, it was a full covers... A full album length... Like, not album length. It was a full album of <laughs> almost all covers. It was That's like how you three say that. Or three original songs, I think. Um, and he was covering his own songs from early in his career, like from the late 60s and early 70s. Um, the album was never released in full. About half of the songs showed up somewhere, most of them in B-sides for his 2002 album, Heathen. It was leaked in 2011, rumored to be by Bowie himself, but that was never confirmed. Ooh. And it's also not clear if that was like the 100% end result, if it was the final mix and the final track listing and fight, all that kind of stuff. Controversy. Anyway. Conversation piece, the original one by David Bowie, uh-huh. was Never heard a B-side to an obscure single, The Prettiest Star, which later was re-recorded for Aladdin Sane. We ain't talking way too much about all this. I don't care. I uh, care. It came out 19, in 1970. And, yeah, he later, oh, yeah. I might said that. <laughs> and then uh, Conversation piece, the new version, showed up as a B-side. I didn't see where it comes up. It came up as a, I'm pretty sure it's a B-side for one of the heathen tracks, or possibly in the deluxe edition. So it was an interesting to, like, listen to Bowie, 
who was ever, you know, self-mythologizing. This was like one of his great self-mythologizing moves, especially since the album didn't actually get released for some reason. Right. Uh, covering himself. Covering like himself. From his formative years. Like some of the tracks are from his original 1967 album and stuff. This was one of the later tracks in being 1970. Wow. But it's an interesting album. It's not like the greatest album ever, but it's it's one of his great, like, lost, you know, great, the holy, the David Bowie Holy Grails is getting an official release of this, the final mix and final oh, track yeah. listing and everything. I would imagine. The Conversation Piece is a great example of the whole album, great, like, standard for the album, and it's, it's a good song. Both of the versions are quite good. So, nice one, Bowie. Outrageous. Let's get a release on that. Bowie Camp, who... You just do it. Just give it to us, okay? Just give it to us. Back to you, Jake! Well, I'm now going to strike the last seven of my songs um, and replace them all with Dylan classics and pretend that Dylan covered Dylan, like you just did with oh, Bowie Jake. covering Bowen. So, number when seven... You come back, when you come back 30 years later and do the song again, you get to call it... Number seven through one is, uh, I don't know, Visions of Johanna by Bob Dylan. <laughs> Great song. Come on, Jake. Great come classic. <laughs> No, my, <laughs> my number seven is actually a song called Thirsty Boots, which was... <laughs> uh, I wasn't prepared for that, for that title right there. Yeah, again, you know, Bowie has a lot longer and more, you know, extravagant history with covering songs. Dylan, yeah, um, does. Dylan does not. Um, this was a song called... Uh, uh, it was by Eric Anderson, who was another kind of contemporary, a much less famous contemporary of Dylan's. It's a civil rights era folk song, okay. um, and it's just kind of about like loving each other, you know. If you got some thirsty yeah. boots, bring them sure, on over to sure. me, you know. Uh, some thirsty ones. Some get get your boots over here if they're thirsty. Yeah, get them. Are they we'll thirsty? Just, we'll pour some water get in them there. Get them on over here. Hey, come on, buddy. Come on over. Come on. Let's do this. Uh, it was covered by Judy Collins, John Denver, and the Kingston Trio. Yet another self-portrait outtake. I'll just take 30 seconds to let the audience know that Dylan had three major covers periods in his career. Um, okay. the, the first is this whole self-portrait fiasco in which he just, this is the thing where his quote was he threw everything against the wall and whatever didn't stick, he just picked it up and released it anyway, that kind of thing. So this was on, this is of course on another self-portrait, Bootleg Series Volume 13, which is just... Uh-huh chock full of things that somehow didn't get released and that's what what all the material can we assume that at some point there will be yet another self-portrait yeah they're probably gonna have to call it something worse though i'm not sure what that could be like another another self-portrait maybe another another self-portrait Ooh, i like that and then with a lot of exclamation points in it <laughs> another another more tracks more blood more tracks more tracks more tracks <laughs> Uh, yeah, and also it bears worth mentioning that um, the 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 disaster covers Dylan album that I mentioned earlier. That's also from these sessions. So okay, okay, this was like so a big covers, covers thing. Okay, so that's cover area number one. Right, right, and uh, okay. I'll just I'll just uh, I'll tell you the other ones as they come up. Back to you, Chaz. Okay, okay. Uh, coming in at number six is a big hit, China Girl. Originally by Iggy Pop, oh, sort yeah. of. We'll get into that in a second. Forgot he Released by Bowie song. in 1983 on his gigantic album. Let's Massive. dance. Let's do it. Let's so, dance. So Bowie covered. Yeah, let's just dance. Let's, let's do take it. a second. Come on. And let's dance. Dance. I'm dancing. Let's do it. I can. I think I can hear your feet moving a little bit. Okay. Let's I'm dancing dance over here. Okay. So Bowie covered pop more than any other musician. Uh, hmm. 
but only kind of, because we'll talk about it in a second, is okay. this song originally appeared on Iggy Pop's 1977 album, The Idiot, which was entirely co-written, performed, produced, and mixed and everything by David Bowie. So, China Girl was an Iggy Pop song, but Bowie co-wrote it in the first place. <laughs> and then... He covered, covered himself it in again! Oh, no. So they made it... So, I mean, this is... This list is a so shame. It's super pop for Let's Dance, of course. It charted at number two in the UK. So, can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. I have never liked that song. It always creeped me out. I never liked the sort of objectification of the like the China Girl. Do you actually like that song? I actually like this song. It's, okay. It, I'll admit, it's kind of like an example, because this happened other times. Um, I, I, I had to come to terms. I've come to terms with China Girl recently. Okay. Because it was such a giant hit and everything. And, like, yeah. And musically, I kind of like it, but yes, lyrically, it it bothered me a little bit. But I've read a little bit more about this, because I was like, it just feels like this straight-up kind of weirdly racist song, like yeah. really tone-deaf. Totally. Which is really strange for Bowie at the time. But he's really, it is so tone-deaf that it's it's not. It's a point. And even uh, especially with the video. The video purposely uses these kind of kind of over-the-top stereotype of typical images. Okay, I have like, like on purpose, and stuff. Which he did similarly with, he did some, something similar. He was very socially conscious, especially at that period. Right, that's what I thought. He did something similar with the video for Let's Dance, which is all about um, uh, Australian Aboriginals. And dancing. And he used actual Aboriginal actors. I don't think they were actors, they were just regular people, actually, in the video. And so he was making a similar point about this, about this objectification of culture and what he saw there. Because there's lines in there like visions of swastikas in my head. Yeah, like right, is, right. It's, it's a character in there that Iggy Pop himself was playing before, like that Bowie took. And it, it sounds, it, it's just less obvious, I think, in this big shiny pop setting. Right, because it was and it's so got this popular. kind of like, that yeah. sounds kind of like yeah, I never liked stereotypical that Chinese in there too. And I, I was, I was, I've been looking at this recently because it came out in the. Uh, the new 80s box set. Right. And looking into this a little more, and there's been some interviews and stuff about it. So I've come to terms because of the actual intentions. Okay. But I was always a little surprised there weren't more people, like, getting mad about this song. Outraged? Just the game was mad about the song. <laughs> it wouldn't come out now, that's for sure. Well, not now, but I don't. I didn't, know, didn't see stuff that came out then. I don't know. Huh. But I All think right. that's because, I don't know, maybe it's a mixture of people, people who are, like, looking into the lyrics and looking at things deeply enough to see what the intention is. Or people who are not like are looking at it so superficially, they're not thinking about the fact that this would be. I also there's not a lot of people in the middle. Is that that's what I'm wondering? I don't know. I also think things in the '80s, especially around that time, were like inexplicably popular. Like, why was that yeah. a gigantic oh, hit? No matter if it was a, a a subtle reading of racism or if it was actually ra- like, why was why was China Girl like a massive hit? That's yeah, I know. I don't know. All right, it's interesting. Yeah, you're there you go. So we took a little extra time on this one, but I think we, you know, we're being, we're just, you know, yeah, we're, we're talking, we're talking just, it out We're here. jamming. We're jamming. We're just, you know, a couple guys. We're just rapping. That's all. Just rapping. <laughs> rapping it anyway, up. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Bowie covered an Iggy Pop song that Another he was heavily songs. involved in the first place. He did this two more times in the, uh, the follow-up <laughs> to uh, uh-huh. Let's Dance called Tonight, including the song Tonight. Which had Tina Turner on it, and oh. Neighborhood Threat. Both of those appeared on one of E Pop's two 1977 albums, both of which were heavily co-written by Bowie, uh, produced, mixed, performed on. He sings backup vocals on most of them, all that kind of stuff. Bowie also covered two other E Pop songs that did not involve him in the first place: Don't Look Down and Bang Bang, all from the 80s. Bang Bang. 
China Girl appears on the Sirius Moonlight live album, the Glass Spider live album, the VH1 Storytellers live album, and a reality tour live mm, album. So only a couple times. Only a couple times. Basically, uh, is that all but one of his live albums? Or no, okay. All but two of his live albums that came out after the point of when wow. this was recorded. All right, back to you, Jay. Hey, what? we are actually, like, kind of on time here right now. Yeah, I want you to realize this. You're jinxing us. We're doing us. pretty well. We're only a little bit over halfway, and we're halfway through our top ten list. And that was even a lengthy preamble before we got into the top ten. Well, we're not... So let's really slow things down for the second half <laughs> and really milk it and take way too long. What do you say, Jay? You with me? The number... Right. High five, let's go. The number six song... <laughs> From Bob Dylan (laughs) is Dink's song. It's called Dink's song. It's a very old. uh, It's a very old folk song, and by folk I mean actually like somebody made it up in a regional location. And John Lomax, the ethnomusicologist who did field recordings um, for the government in the 30s and 40s, yeah, 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 heard it from an African American woman. Named Dink, that's why it's called Dink's Song, okay. as she washed her husband's clothes near Houston, Texas. So it's okay. also called Fare Thee Well. It's, a, it's, about a, it's actually about a woman um, who is spurned and just, like, goes, you know, goes off. Like, hey, sing, sing, sing me okay. a couple parts. Um, if I had wings like a little dove. That's it inside Lewis Davis. Oh, is it? It is. Well, that's great, because it's a great song. Fare thee well, my honey. Oh, oh, fare thee well. Fare thee well. Yeah, that's it. different versions of it show up in there, actually. I want to okay, say. wow. Are I'm going to go watch it. Another, another Are you? Time. you stay here. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll hit Wait pause. I'll hit pause. I'll be, uh, I'll be formulating my next sentence for the next two years. <laughs> two hours. Two hours. Oh, hey, you, you, you want to see a funny note that I made that I didn't remember making whatsoever? This is on Inside Llewellyn Davis. That's what I got on my sheet. <laughs> Not the one by Dylan on the cover. It was new. It was new version. No, no, no. So uh, the folk musicians of that time were very familiar with John Lomax and all the work that he had done. You know, that was like the real stuff. Like the character, if I remember right, the character in Inside Llewellyn Davis is like he He's does, authentic. He tries to be anyway. Uh, I don't think he tries. I think he is. I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe anyway, he's I, he's represented. <laughs> he's. <laughs> <laughs> we have talked way too much about this movie on multiple podcasts. So you want to hear what's authentic? If you haven't seen it by now, there's nothing we can do to make. You want to hear what's authentic? Playing a character in a movie that's authentic. <laughs> oh, that's true. Ooh, wait, what? Uh, Dylan's version of Dink's song is a home recording from his early Minneapolis days. Okay. So he was quite young when he did it, and it's That's a great. Really it's a. I would say on my list, this is his first like really great performance of a cover song. Oh, okay. You know the other ones are fine. Nice. I like them a lot, but this one like is great, and uh, it. Uh, I was going to say one more thing about it. Oh, it uh, it came out on the No Direction Home uh, bootleg series volume. I believe that's volume seven. The bootleg series. Yeah. Anyway, the soundtrack from the Martin Scorsese documentary yeah. of the same name. I'm directing Which you home to number five, Chaz. Number five, Cactus by the Pixies. Whoa. Covered Whoa. by Bowie on Heathen, 2002. Mm. So, again, like, this just, it gets a really eclectic like, list of music from Bowie when you come to his covers. It just shows, like, he was into so much stuff and was willing to give, his, give it a try on so much stuff. 
Because Bowie, even when he was like not doing the best stuff in the 80s and 90s, like he still was into these really... And even when he was like doing decent but not amazing work in the early 2000s, like he was... Yeah. He was into these, it was like championing these really like cutting edge innovative bands like, you know, Arcade Fire and TV on the Radio and Deerhoof. Like, he was an early supporter of these bands. And he was into the Pixies before the Pixies came back and everyone remembered who they were. Yeah. Like, he was, he was into them early. Um, so, Pixies were a major influence on Tin Machine, which is not necessarily the best praise no. in the late 80s. But Tin Machine <laughs> forming in, in 1989, listing Pixies as a big influence. Their first album came out in 88. Yeah. So, uh, and this cover is from their 1988 album, Surf Rosa. It's, uh, it's got cojones, this song. Oh, oh cojones. Well then. Um, this, the lyrics are, I know this is Frank Black slash Black Francis, who went by both those names. And right. I think his real name is Turley, actually. No. <laughs> anyway, the song is about a prisoner asking weird, perverse favors of Slady, as far as I can tell. Okay. One notable disappointing thing happens in this. At one point, the backing vocalist spell out Bowie. Oh, B. that's... Oh! Wait a w minute. W-I-E! Which I've heard this, like... I didn't notice this until I was preparing for the 2002 episode, actually. I was oh. like, oh. I thought they said lame. I thought they said David, but they actually say Bowie. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yo, you're right, Jake. Holy oh, smokes. Good. Retraction action. Wow. Retraction action. A few seconds ago, it was David. Yeah, you're right. Retraction, Retraction action. action. Hey, man, sorry for the distraction. The Johnny's in the basement mixing up some detraction. We know this segment's not the main attraction. We've got to hit you with Retraction, retraction action. action. Uh, I'm so, so smart. Like, oh, that's kind of lame. But then, Jake, while it's preparing for this podcast, yeah. I listened to the Pixies version again and noticed the Pixies spell out the Pixies in the background in the exact same point. <laughs> oh, so, so that's why I they did it. So I take it back, Bowie, it's not your fault, it's the Pixies' fault. But he's still, okay. Still apparently there. Kim Deal, who, you know, later ended up in The Breeders, right. apparently she was not, like, thought that was dumb and refused to participate in them doing that for that song. <laughs> that is dumb. She was also, right. Also, <laughs> she was them right. spelling out Pixies was inspired by... <laughs> T-Rex spelling out their name during one of their songs. Oh, well, that makes and of more course, sense, And, of course, T-Rex's lead singer, Mark Bullen, was like a frenemy of David Bowie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It all comes full circle, Jake! Ah, my head is spinning. I know. So it's a great song, and uh, it also appears live on a reality tour live album. Yeah. Back to you, Jake. Boom house. All right, Chaz, this is the moment you've been waiting for. This is the number I've fifth song. You have slagged Christmas in the Heart so many times. It makes me so mad because you obviously don't have Christmas in your heart. But I'll tell you what's in my heart. Only because I've, ne- I've never actually listened to oh. Christmas in my heart. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and litigate whether Christmas in the Heart is, you know, the greatest Christmas album of all time or just one of them. But I'll tell you what, and I'm serious about this. The best, Go. the best song on it is the fifth yeah. best cover song that Dylan ever did. It's called. Okay, I now believe you. It's called "Must Be Santa," and it's delightful. <laughs> Must be Santa, Santa. Do 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 do. Who's gonna boo 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 boo? That's how it goes. It's amazing. I'm gonna listen to that song right after this podcast. Oh man, you the have to. Oh, I care about. will you do me a favor? So far. Will you do me a favor? Yeah, I will. You need maybe. to go and maybe, watch maybe. the music, the, the official music video for it. It's. Yeah, intense. I will. I it's will. so Jake. incredible. I will, I will do that for you. This the, I promise. The less said about it, the better. You just need to do okay. it, and then you all need right, to I will. call me back at midnight, and we'll do another podcast <laughs> all about it. <laughs> sounds great. It sounds great. What year does Christmas in the Heart come out? Uh, 2009. 
2009. Okay, so, uh, so this was written by the song itself was written by Hal Moore and Bill Fredericks. The most famous version is by Mitch Miller in 1960. <laughs> it's actually based on a German drinking song, and you can tell that by the call and response. Mm-hmm. And Dylan's, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have very many. Uh, I don't listen to like the. Uh, the radio stations around Christmas. I don't know what's like what are modern Christmas classics or whatever, but I consider I this I a modern Christmas know. classic. <laughs> it's got a little bit. It's usually on on like Bob Dylan's you know best covers lists and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, nice one. Uh, he plays it as a polka, and it's amazing. And it inserts <laughs> names of several U.S. presidents mixed in with Santa's reindeer for some reason. <laughs> now. <laughs> you know, for a second there was like, wait, are we still talking about Must Be Santa? Yeah, I, we are. Am I like, did I just lapse here? Or are we like, and we moved on and I'm not, wasn't paying attention? But no, I'm glad, I'm glad to know that we are still talking about this. Now, Chaz, I have a, I have a quick cascading multiple choice question for you. Since we're at, we're at the, we're at the halfway. So that, that time a few minutes ago when I said that we were like on track, we're, we're working hard to get off track. Again. No, no, no. Good. All right, no, we're, we're on track. We're about halfway through. We're actually a little over, so we can waste some time here. All right, so. What musician, Chaz, um, had an uncredited cameo on Must Be Santa that was discovered a little while later? Is it A? Just, you know what? Just guess. A. Oh, and then the cascading part is what instrument did they play? But you don't have to answer that just yet. Okay. A. Charlie Sexton. B. Jacob Dylan, the once and future king. Oh, man. C. Joan Baez. Okay. Or D. <laughs> oh, I was gonna play this so straight. D. <laughs> Count Smokula. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is even going on over there right now? <laughs> I'm Count Smokuling some weed. What? No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. But what? Who do you think had the uncredited cameo? On I'm song? going with Jacob Dylan. You're not going with Count if, Smokula? What is the matter with Christmas, you? If Christmas I can't, is in your heart, then you spend it with that, that song you don't really care about that much. I can't make up Count Smokula. Why would I make that up? It's Count Smokula. <laughs> oh, I don't All right. know what that is. <laughs> neither, do, neither did I. Now, what <laughs> instrument does Count Smokula play? <laughs> what did he play a cigarette? Or, I don't know. A... Voice. Some kind of pipes. Right? B. Right? B. Trumpet. Wait, go back. What was A again? I didn't do it. it was voice. Vocals. Voice. Okay. B. Trumpet. C. Acoustic guitar. Or D. Accordion. Accordion. All right. You're right. You, you got it. Now, count. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just. I had to go to Wik- I had to go to Wikipedia. Okay, so um, Count Smokula is a character created by somebody named Robert Smokey Miles. He has like a cable access TV show, and he <laughs> somehow achieves some level of internet fame, you know, low-level internet fame. This is who Count Smokula is. I'm going to read this real, real quick. As imagined by Miles, Count Smokula is a 496-year-old accordion-playing vampire with a cape and fez from the vaguely Eastern European nation of Smokesylvania. <laughs> the, the count has a thick smoke Smokesylvanian accent. <laughs> he plays the quote squeeze box and loves to rock like you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> music. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe it. It's true. I wouldn't. Music it. is his first love in the Count Smokula Orchestra, 
started up about 300 years ago in glitched Smokelvania, where he was greatly influenced by Schnada Shmulevitz, Smokesylvania's most famous singer. <laughs> but he definitely doesn't suck. As he says, quote, I gave up fangs and blood 300 years ago. My doctor told me too much cholesterol. <laughs> he subscribes to a belief in smokulism. <laughs> a wild vied faith revealed to the Count one sleepless night in 1997 after, quote, ingesting a rather large vegetarian pizza in the presence of the Russian Madonna, end quote. <laughs> All right, we're talking about this song for like 10 minutes, but it's been, it's been so 10 of the best minutes. All right, hold life. on, last, last little thing. At an indefinite date, the Count left Smokesylvania. Or rather, it left him, since he tells us they moved the country stone by stone to the South Pacific, for Hollywood, California, where he planned to make a fortune as a public excess show host so he could restore the glory of Smokesylvania. <laughs> there it is, Chad. <laughs> well, here's to you, Count Smokula. We at Bowie vs. Dylan wholeheartedly wow. salute you. Oh, man. And I... your fight for Smokeslovenian rights. You have our support. If there's anything we can do for you, you just let us know. Well, I think we've already done Bowie enough. Bowieversusdealin' at gmail.com. Send us an email. I yeah. thought that was a, refre a, a refreshing aside from the normally serious vein of this podcast here. We needed a, we needed just a little a little humor. Slighten things up a little bit. Absolutely. Chaz, I just All want right. to pass it to you for number four. You go for it. All right, well, we were doing really well, and now we're behind. So Why don't you talk faster? I had to talk about Count Smoker. Oh, I know you did. I know you don't. It was, I know I'm glad you did, but we'll just we'll speed things up just a little bit here. Woo. Number four, I totally cheated and picked two songs. Why'd you do that for number four? Just wait. Let me tell you why, Jake. Did Bowie cover himself twice more? No. Come on, Jake. All right, I'm listening. You gotta, gotta get over that one. I'm not over on it. A on I'll an album, never, on studio album version of tracks of his from 30 years previously that he had never performed live. Come on. Never over Number four, the double song is I'm doing Waiting for the Man and White Light, White Heat, uh, both okay. by the Belt Underground. I see what you've done. Both there. from the late 60s. Waiting for the Man is 67. Yeah. White Light, White Heat, I think it's also 67. Actually, I think the latest two albums that year. So Bowie has no official studio versions of either of these songs, but has performed both of them live lots and lots of times throughout of times. his career. So at least one of them appears on Santa Monica 72, Ziggy Stars motion picture soundtrack, Live Nassau Coliseum 76, and Secrets Moonlight Live 83. The thing is, Bowie got an acetate of Velvet Underground and Nico before it was even released, because his manager went over to New York, and I don't know how he'd scored this thing. So Bowie is like, it's a total hipster move for young Bowie. He was a yeah, he was into the Velvet Underground before anybody else, because it wasn't even released yet. And nobody cared about it when it was released, actually. It wasn't until years later. But he was an instant fan, and he started playing these songs, waiting, waiting for the man, being on Velvet Underground and Nico. Started playing it almost immediately. So he's like playing it live at 67, which is weird. Um, so both of these songs, he frequently played live throughout his career, but he never released in studio form. He did release White Light, White Heat as a live single mm. in 1983. Okay. As recorded in 1973 for a live album that was released in 1983. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, you got that one? And listened to in uh, 1993 and 2003 and 2013. <laughs> and 2013. Probably in 2023. And probably in 2023. <laughs> I'm playing and listening to it again then. Probably. Uh, White Light, White Heat was recorded by Bowie for Pinups, the cover album from 1973 previously talked about. Oh, okay. But it did not make the cut. So, Jake, you're going to love this. You ready for this? I'm ready. The backing track, the unused backing track, was gifted to... Just go ahead and guess who it was gifted to, Jake. Uh, Ron Ronson. Oh, it's Mick Ronson. Sweet, sweet Mick Yeah, Ronson. Mick. Well, we My had to get a Mick up in here. For Ronson's second solo album, Play Don't Worry, from 1975. <laughs> nice. So Ronson right. took it, just the backing vocal. He did his own vocals, and he just slathered this thing in Tasty Licks, Jake. Oh, tasty. Holy cow. Like, a buffet. This is a good one for you to listen to afterwards. It's okay, Mick I'll write that down. White Light with you. Okay, it Rano. Smokes. It cooks. It's got so... It's just like... You can't even breathe. You're just drowning in tasty bites <laughs> on this thing. You're just... You're, and, loving, and loving every second you're of it. You're overdosing I really gladly. I had listened to the, the, this until uh, preparing for this, and it was great. Oh, wow. So thank you, Ronson. Thank you for making your way, muscling your way into our podcast. Absolutely. For, like, for Absolutely. yet again. I wonder how many episodes he's actually appeared in. All of them. Far, far more. All of than them. Than he... I will not... Uh, yeah, yeah. It should be all We have mentioned his name. Back to you, Jake, number four. All right. So Dylan's third and, of course, gloriously ongoing covers period is, of course, his (laughs) obsession (laughs) with American popular song. Frank Sinatra. The Frank Sinatra years, we call him. Um, (laughs) He's currently, uh, he's probably produced another six I'd say full albums of covers by this point that he's just waiting to <laughs> drop on the unsuspecting public. They're going to be like, I'm looking forward to his upcoming seven disc album, Septicate. Septicate. What? Another seven albums? Oh, we can handle that as a buying public. <laughs> and, and we want to also. We told, thank you, Bob. Poet laureate. America's greatest songwriter. Nobel has, Prize winner. Uh, refused to write songs again. <laughs> He's like, hey, guys, I just won the Nobel Prize and got $800,000. Let's book some studio time. <laughs> Knock out a few more covers. So, um, All right, go. Yeah, so I, I actually like a lot of them. It's just you just drown in this kind of mid-tempo, jazzy, yeah. you know. It's just a lot. I can see individual songs being good. I don't They're know very good. They're very good. A album of them. And it, you know, if he hadn't done so many of them, I think it would have been, it could be viewed as like a cool little aside in his career. You know, yeah. The time yeah, he did those just, two albums. Trump, like, of, one album with all the best tracks. Yeah, even the second that, yeah. one, even the second one was fine because it had kind of a different timbre, but it's triplicate yeah. that really like makes it crazy. Anyway, I'm kind of, I'm going to pick one song from the entire, the entire collection um, it's called It Had to Be You. I think you probably know that song. It Had, had to, to Be You. you. Yeah. Uh, written originally it in 1924 by Isham Isham Jones, with lyrics by Gus Kahn, whose name I recognize. Mm. It's number 60 in the American Film Institute's list of 100 years, comma, 100 songs. Top tunes in mm. American cinema. And I didn't write down what, what movie it was in. What? Man, you jerk. I know. Right, I'm looking it up. Why Go. don't you look Go. it up? Um, I am looking this, it up. So I just said. You know, this pro- it's probably the most well-known of the covers that he's done recently. I mean, yeah. probably most people know that song. Anyway, uh, it's just a, it's a good representative of the entire era. 
It's very nice. It was on... Oh, I didn't write down which one it was even on. Not the first one. I can see the cover. It's got a... He's play. He's, it's a, a playing card on the cover. Oh, I'm tired. It's late. Uh, JJ, it's it's in a whole bunch of movies. Right. Most okay. Of maybe that's I've never heard of. Maybe that's why I didn't the write most, it down. The most notable. Oh, ones I got are, it! I got it! I got it! When oh. Harry met Sally. Oh, that wasn't even. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. I think that's why it's on there. I don't know. Oh that, yeah, that's why it's on the IFI list. It's on tons of movies before that. Most notably, Casablanca. Oh okay. Uh, show business and Annie Hall. You ever heard? Oh, of and A League of Their Own. Oh, I Those love are the a best known ones in here. That Hold I'm on, at. I'm going to go watch A League of Their Own right now. <laughs> All right, so I love that movie. All right, why not, while I'm doing that, why don't you tell the audience about number three? Number three. In Let's spend the night together. Originally by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, wow. From there, it was originally released in '67 as a single and on uh, Between the Buttons. Uh, Bowie covered it for 1973's Aladdin Scene. Uh, the most iconic cover art and one of his best known and best loved albums. Uh, the original is is kind of a love song. It's kind of a sweet like love song for the Rolling Stones. Bowie's version is not. <laughs> it it's has not. A, a real strong edge to it. Um, I got some quotes for you from NME Magazine. He performed the unprecedented feat of beating the Stones on one of their own songs, which I actually agree with. I do think it's, it's better, better than the original. than the first one. That's what I think. I think in this case. Okay. Remarking on the track's polymorphous perversity <laughs> and furious coked-up drive. That sounds that sounds really lovely. It's like... <laughs> again, the original <laughs> is a love song, and with exactly the same lyrics, Bowie managed to make this not a love song at all. It's oh, yeah. like, let's spend the night together. And that's it. Never seen each other again. It's it's good though. I okay. really like the song. All right. you that's like- evidence might be number three. It also appears on Ziggy Stars Most Obituary Soundtrack live album from recorded <laughs> in seventy three and released in eighty three. <laughs> and listened to in ninety three. And listened to in ninety three. All right. That was uh, a sweet short little one. Back love to you, it. Jake. All right, number three on Dylan's list is a song called Delia. This is another very old uh very old it's not a traditional I don't know if it would be considered a folk song. Um, Dylan learned it from some old records by Blind Willie McTell, which we've talked about sure. him before. Yeah, yeah. One of Dylan's heroes. It's based yeah. on an actual case in which a 14-year-old girl named Delia Green, an African-American, was murdered while in Savannah, Georgia. Um, there's actually two versions of the song from way back when. One is from the killer's perspective, and the other simply a narrative. So Dylan's is the latter. His is the narrative. Okay. Um, Dead, probably? Little, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Uh, he's covered this many... Uh, this has been covered many, many times. Um, and I have a thing here that says JC recorded it no less than... Four, oh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash recorded it no less than <laughs> I was, 40 times. You know, I... I think of Jay-Z. I think it's a Jay-Z there, and I was wondering where we're going with this. Yeah, no, we're not I going. mean, I'd love to hear it. I Don't get me wrong. I would love to hear that. We're not going I don't there. know how it would work. Well, Jay-Z, if you're listening, and we know you are, how come you don't record Delia four times? Why don't you do that? <laughs> come on. Come uh, on it's, it's really haunting. Your career has been a sham until you've done this. Yeah, come on. I thought you were a billionaire or something. <laughs> uh, that means you do whatever we tell you to for some reason. <laughs> that means you listen to us now. Um, 
<laughs> so Dylan's is really is really haunting. It's on it's on the second of his uh, of his acoustic albums from the early nineties. The first is good as good as I've been to you, and the second, man, my brain is broke right now. It's so much better than the first one, and I cannot remember the name of it. Oh, Jake! I know this is awful. I really like that. Do album. I need to like keep looking stuff up for you this time about Bob Dylan himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't yeah? Why don't you do that? All right. Is it the Nin- right after Goes Like Ben to You? It was in 1993. Yep. Okay, let me get here. I'm, I'm on my way. He's on the cover. Almost He's there. wearing a, like a stove type. You know, stove World pipe Gone Wrong. Yes, Dick. World Gone World Wrong. Gone Thank wrong. you. Ugh, my brain. World Gone Wrong. Um, really good. I could. I almost did the double dip on this. There's another. There's another song on that album called Blood, yeah. Blood in My Eyes, which is kind of a similar feel and also... And also really good. We'll talk about it in '93 when we get to that year. It's just it's so much yeah. better than good as I've been to you. But for now, I'm going to toss it to you for number two. Yeah, two. Number two coming in at hot number two. Uh, the Bowie top number. Yeah. The, the Alabama song by Kurt Vile and Bertolt Brecht. Oh yeah, we talked about this one too. A little yeah, we talked about it in 1978. Yeah, the door. Um, it's originally from the 1930 Brecht Weil opera, The Rise and Fall of the City of Mahogany. And the original version was recorded by Kurt Vile's wife, Lottie Lenya, mm. who later went on to be a fairly well-known actress. She's in a James Bond movie. Oh. I mean, she did a lot of other great stuff, too. That's really not, like, one of her career highlights. But, you know, she did that, too. Um, it's originally from 1930, so this is, like, the oldest song. I mean, all of Dylan's have been you know, <laughs> in that era. But They're all from, like, 1600. This is, a, this is Bowie's <laughs> oldest ones. This is, yeah. you know, he's, his heroes going back, way back. Um, the song is... Probably best known by covering covered by the Doors in 1966. You're so the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Don't ask why. So that'd be obviously an English translation. It was originally in German. Mm. Um, Bowie's version from released as a non-album album single in 1980. 1980. Um, this was first release, the first time we saw it. Bowie's version, I think, it's more faithful, and I, I, in my opinion, it's superior. Um, it appeared on the 1978 tour. It was recorded right afterwards, but it wasn't released until 1980. Along with the B-side to this, this was like a, quite the single for 1980. It was the the B-side was a re-recorded acoustic version of Space Oddity, mm. which is smoking. Oh yeah, it's great. It's great that that version of it. Is, I mean, I like I like Space Oddity. Yeah, that version's really great. Who too. doesn't? Uh, notable on this is the drums are like madhouse in this. Madhouse. They're just going like drumming all I know it's this like up and down all over the place and uh, it was a very specific feel that Bowie wanted and had the drummer I didn't write down I think it's uh, Davis but apparently nobody could play along to these drums okay. so they had to record the entire song and then play the drum do the drums entirely separately wow and then put them together because nobody could play to keep on the beat with these drums going wow. wild okay which is great and then one last note Bowie loved Bertolt Brecht, mm-hmm. and he did other stuff with him too. And most notably was he was in a TV movie version of Brecht's play, which I don't think Kurt Vile did the music for, uh, called Bale in 1982. Oh, was he in an 82? I think he was in an 81. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, he released an EP of songs from that in 1982 for the TV movie version of Brecht Play with Extra Songs, one of which has music by Kurt Vile because they brought in some songs that weren't originally from Bale. So he's got an entire EP of all Bertolt Brecht covers, which is in a really kind of odd little nugget in his discography, which is pretty good, too. Back to 
Jake. That was a zesty nugget. Very it zesty. Was so zesty. All right. All right. We're getting. We're finally getting to like the heavy hitters here. A lot of coked up drive on that one, Jake. <clears throat> furious coked up drive. <laughs> you don't sound too furious. I gotta say. <laughs> Not me. I mean, you know, in general. Just oh, in general. Oh yeah. I could. I could feel that. I could feel the hate and anger. Whoa. Yeah, along with the polymorphous perversity. Right, <laughs> well, go on. That that you wear on your sleeve for sure. <laughs> It's me. It's it's what you are. That's the that's what my my <laughs> facial tattoo says. I'm polymorphous perversity. Hi, my name's Charlie. I'm polymorphous perverse. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Why are they kicking me out of the library? I don't understand. This. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Um, all right, we're finally getting to some. This is this is probably. Oh, let's see. What was my? It's name? a meaty bullet at this point. Yeah, we're really, we're just tasting those tomatoes just mixed in with that beef, baby. That beef. <laughs> this number two. <laughs> we're recording this one, this podcast far later than we normally do. We were recording usually recording on the weekend at like 10 o'clock in the morning, but I blame, this time, I, it's, uh, it's 10 o'clock at night, at least my time. I blame it all on that Count Smokula I kept doing <laughs> earlier. <laughs> he's just waking up right now. Because he is, you know. He is. It's Smokesylvania or whatever. That's why things are getting so smoky. Oh, yeah. It's smoky and meaty. <laughs> <laughs> um, number yeah. two for, for, for our friend Dylan is a little song, maybe you've heard of it, called House of the Rising Sun. Dylan covered this traditional song on his eponymous first album named, you guessed it, Bob Dylan. Is that what eponymous means? Yeah. Thank you, Jake. Thanks. Hey, no problem. Thanks I'm here for to, sharing. I'm here to educate. I'm here to educate as well as... Educate and entertain. And entertain and enlighten as well. The three E's, I call them. <laughs> In a rage. What about a rage, Jake? Well, that's, that's, that's you. That was out there too. I'm all about enlightenment. That's that's what separates us. <laughs> <laughs> Your rage. I'm, I'm furious and coked up. What can I say? <laughs> Chaz, you you take a blowtorch and you set them on fire, and then I take like a a fan and I cool them off. That's what this is all about. <laughs> fan only feeds the flame, the Jake. You should know that. Uh, f- um, ice. I put ice on it. How's that? Rising Sun. Something about the Rising Sun. Yes, it's House of the Rising Sun. This song has a long and storied history. It is a ballad of life gone wrong, gambling in New Orleans. Um, Mm. One of the original versions, they don't know who wrote Mm -hmm. it. One of the original versions um, has a woman. It's from a a woman's perspective. Of course, the most famous version is by The Animals in 1964. They had a number one hit all across can the you, world. Can you sing, send me a couple bars in this one? I'm having oh, trouble places um, I know the name. There is a house in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah. They okay. call the Rosington. Yeah, yeah, I know the answer uh, it, for sure. Yeah, it was one of the early, like, super big rock, <laughs> rock hits. Um, Dylan's cover obviously predates that because his first album was in 1962. Right. And um, there's a funny little circular story here. He tells it, I believe it's in the No Direction Home uh, documentary. Anyway, it was the quote-unquote hit off of the album, um, even though no one bought the album. Uh, <laughs> sure, it sure. sold like 7,000 copies or something. It was a flop. Um, but it definitely became like the most well-known, the best song. It's, it's great. It's smoking. Um, but Dylan had picked up his version from a New York City musician named Dave Van Ronk, 
who was kind of doing it like that in the club. Wait, his name is Dave Van Rock? Ronk, R-O-N-K. Oh. Okay, that's not as cool. No. All right, go on. <laughs> no, there was no rock and roll then, basically. No, that's not true. Well, it still would have been cool if his name was... I'm sure there was rock and roll. Well, not Do you when remember he was, a little decade called the 1950s, Jake? Not when he was... Maybe you heard Not when it? Dave Van Rock was born, bro. Oh, not when he was born. Well, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. What have... Pres- Bowie, <laughs> presumably Bowie, his parents had the name before he did. Bowie's most famous photographer was named Rock. Is that good enough Nick for you? Nick Rock. Yeah, Nick, Nick Rock. Rock. I know, it's the best name it's we've the ever, best come name ever. ever come across on the show. I mean, I love Rano, but if I ever meet Mick Rock, I'll shake his hand. <laughs> I'm going to give him the horns. I'm gonna Throw keep... up the horns. <laughs> I bet he gets that so much. So bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dylan learned it, kind of learned that version, and, and as I've mentioned, um, Dylan kind of strolled into his first recording session, and he just started, like, recording. He was like, hey, here's some songs I've been thinking about. And he... <laughs> Hey, you guys, this is what you wanted, right, for a major release on a major label? Um, so he ripped off a bunch of covers, and one of them was this. And, you know, um, after the album came out and everyone was mad at him, Dave Van Ronk's like, hey, man, you stole my version of that song. And he's like, sorry. And then the animals, <laughs> so sorry. the animals covered it in kind of that version as well. And the animals oh. had this just, I mean, massive worldwide hit. And uh, Dylan was forced to go back to our good friend Dave Van Ronk and be like, hey, man, sorry, now I know how it feels. And then he was like, <laughs> how does it feel? Just kidding. And that's how Bob Dylan learned and that's, it. And, <laughs> and that's why he wrote Like a Rolling Stone, <laughs> which is my number one song on the list because he covers himself. Cover I can, man. Okay. I, can. I had perfectly good hey, reason to clear about that list. We're having a lot of laughs here, but I am seething with rage. <laughs> Furious coked up rage, would you say? <laughs> I'm about to get coked up. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Number one! Yeah, here we've arrived. David Bowie cover hit parade is Wild is the Wind. Originally performed by Johnny Mathis in 1956 for a Western movie. Of the same name, Called Wild which was nominated for an Oscar. The song oh, was nominated for an Oscar. Okey-dokey. Better known for the smoking cover by Nina Simone from her uh, yes. 1966 album of the same name. Yes. Uh, Bowie met Simone in 1975. He was something, you know, he liked her. You, you thought she was great. She was. And uh, she encouraged him to cover the song, reportedly. Okay. Wow. So he was. So... Uh, some some reports. Some people say he was just inspired after that meeting. Some people say that she actively encouraged him. I don't know for sure, but I like the encouraged story better. So let's go with that one. Yeah. Uh, there are also rumors that they recorded together at the time, but those seem to have just been rumors. Yeah, I think she was dealing. So, I think she was struggling with a massive mental illness at that time. Well, she. I don't know yeah, much about bi- the life. I mean, oh, we don't need I to get into it. I just recently got anyway. interested in her. She was bipolar, like crazy. Anyway. Oh. I know. Sweet Nina. Anyway. All right. Nina yeah, Simone. This last one goes out to you. Just sucked all the joy out of this. Sorry, <laughs> Hey, take some more right, coke. cover it. Snort some more his coke. 19, his amazing 1976 album, Station to Station, one of my personal favorite David Bowie albums, uh, which he did. It was his last big character. He did it in the, the guise of the Thin White Duke persona, one of his most famous ones. Thin White Duke was his most unpleasant character, I would definitely say. Mm. He was into, I don't know, he, all of Station to Station, it, it's one of those albums that should not work, but it does. It's all like soul songs, but done by a guy who's like faking it. Yeah. Like the character's like faking it, he's, and somehow it works. He's like, he's soulless, and he's singing these soul songs. It's a weird 
a combination of soul and like Krautrock type stuff, like what Bowie was going into late after the right after this. But it's so hot. Anyway, Love uh, <laughs> so Wind is the last track on that, and he he just knocks it out. I really like it a lot. Uh, it was released as a single in 1981 for Bowie's second greatest hits release, Changes to Bowie. Uh, it also appears on the BBC Radio Theater. Uh, oh, BBC, BBC live at the, for the BBC Radio Theater from 2000, and the upcoming, well, upcoming for us. But those of you listening, it will have already been released. Uh, Glastonbury 2000 live yeah. album from David Bowie. It's it's number one, Jake. It's, it's a good one. one. I wish I was listening to it right now instead of you. Sounds. Good. <laughs> Let me honest. Over to you, Jake. So great. All right. So, I'm just going to let the listeners know that I need to leave this house in five minutes to go pick up my son. So, I am going to quickly rip it off with number one. It's a song called Baby, Let Me Follow You Down. It was written by a man named Eric Von Schmidt. A lot of Vons and Vans and stuff this episode. All right. In the late 1950s, um, Dylan has this song on his debut. um, The heretofore mentioned eponymous album called Bob Dylan. Maybe you've heard of it. Which is what Eponymous means, I Yes, and it was a staple at that time of his live shows. Kind of goes like, Baby, let me follow you down. I'll do anything <laughs> in this God Almighty world. Something like that. Something now, like that. the version that is number one on my list is not that version. The version okay. that is number one on my list is when he reworked it on the 1965 and 1966 world tours when he played with Bob Dylan and the band. And, and the he, band. He turned this nice little folk song and he just ripped it up and turned it into a monster rock song. Judas! Judas. This is everyone screaming Judas at him. And he actually I did know. this with two different songs um, where he purposefully like destroyed them. Not Maybe not to make everyone mad, but to let them know just how much he had moved on. One of them is his own song um, called I Don't Believe You. And um, there's some nice banter surrounding that, where he's like, I don't believe you. You're a liar. When they're yelling Judas at him. <laughs> he's all messed up. Uh-huh. And then he says, like, play effing loud. And they rip into, like, a Rolling Stone, and it's the greatest. Anywho, this is Baby Let Me Follow You Down, because it's a cover song. Uh, it just was, like, his entire transformation. It was something nice. that he sang before, and then he destroyed it in a rage-fueled fueled fire. Took a lot of drugs. A furious, a furious coke field player. <laughs> I don't think he was on coke. A lot of pills. A lot of pills. Not that okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Amphetamines, probably. Yeah. Uh, sure, so, sure. so with that, we end our great countdown. What a wild ride! Ten to, I know. <laughs> We've hit it all. Really, I really enjoyed this. This has been a, this has been a good episode. Yeah. So, so, uh, so now I got to go in three minutes. Tell him what's up next, Chaz. All right. Next up, we're taking the unprecedented step of. Next episode will be released on January 15th, and we're going to do 2018. Wow, Released what? on January 15th, 2019. Chaz, we're looking back that's this at year. 2018. What's it? That's this year. Right now, it's 2018 well, now. Well, right now, How as we're recording possible? this, it's still 2018. When you're listening to this and the next episode, it will be 2019, just yeah. barely. So we're looking back, in spite of the fact that David Bowie has been dead the entire year, a mm. whole bunch of stuff has been released about it, more than yeah. maybe any other year that he was actually alive. Yeah. So it's a good battle. Both of our guys came on strong with the reissue stuff. They did. Dylan didn't do anything new, as far as I know, right? No, it was just um, nope, reissues, it was two, two stuff. Yeah, there was one archival, and then, of course, more blood, more tracks! More blood, more tracks! 
So Bowie did the same with uh, with the archival train. Yeah, and uh, it'll train. be a good battle. I'm not positive who's going to win on this. I don't either. So it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it, but I'll, right. I'll be there to find out, Jake. I will be talking and maybe holding it together for that one. Not sure. Okay, I'm going to be furious and coked up, but also keeping it together. <laughs> I'm going to be eponymous. I'm going to be enlightened, <laughs> and I'm going to be edible. Those are the three E's. I'm going to be enraged. <laughs> and with that, gentle oh, listeners, wow. we remind you, I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. And I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Goodbye. See you around.